that reading. Uh, good to see you all again. As I said, Mike, one of the pastors. We are in the middle of a series at the moment which we're calling Ask God Anything. We're asking a bunch of questions uh, and answering them. And, and the question that we're kind of dealing with today is it deals with the issue of Christianity and fun. Christianity and fun. Are they mutually exclusive? You know, do you have to make a choice between God and fun? Does being a Christian mean just leaving the fun factor behind? Because you see, a misunderstanding of this uh, can be a massive stumbling block for a lot of people. In fact, it was a stumbling block for me, for sure, growing up. Because you see, as a, as a young fellow growing up, I was sympathetic to Christianity. But I was so concerned about losing the fun factor that I really just kept Jesus at arm's length. You know, I, I rarely went to church as a, as a little fella, but my parents did send me to confirmation classes at St. Faith's Narrabeen when I was in year nine. And I uh, went along to the classes, enjoyed what I'd kind of learned about Jesus, uh, but didn't really understand the gospel message about him and definitely didn't pursue him, definitely didn't follow him. Why? Because of my stumbling block, the fun factor. The fun factor. Because you see, in my thinking at that time, and I imagine this is probably the way a lot of teenagers on the northern beaches probably feel, uh, in my thinking, you know, I lived at Collaroy, very close to the beach, went to Cromer High, you know, super relaxed co-ed school, surfed heaps with my mates, went to lots of parties, dated lots of girls, loved music, guitar, you know, dreamed of being a rock star. Failing that, uh, I'd be a lawyer, making stacks of money, enjoying a really great kind of lifestyle. And so honestly, I thought, you know what? If I pursue God, he'll kill the fun factor. So what did I do? I put him off. I just kept living for those worldly pleasures. Until, that is, he got my attention again at age 25. Now, maybe that's you too. You know, maybe that's been your experience. Maybe you've thought or maybe you still think that life as a Christian's got to be dull and boring that Christianity and fun are so opposed that you just wouldn't mention those two words in the same sentence, right? Maybe you've got friends or family who, maybe you don't think that, but you know, maybe others you know think it, friends or family who think that way. Either way, either way, whether you think it or others do, this is a question, it's an important question, this one. It's a question either you need answered for yourself or it's a question you need help to help others answer. And so please listen up because it is an important question. We're going to deal with it in two parts. Firstly, the fun factor without God. And secondly, the fun factor with God. I'm going to keep it nice and simple. Let's dig into it. Firstly, the fun factor without God. As you see, this is the philosophy of our culture, seeking satisfaction through the senses. It's called hedonism. Okay? It's, it's about the pursuit of worldly pleasure, where if it feels good, do it. And it's a path that many people today are on. It's the path that even Solomon way back then took in today's Bible reading that Sky just read to us from Ecclesiastes chapter 2, okay, where Solomon, he, he sought satisfaction and meaning through pleasure, through fun, and he sought to do it to the max. What did he do? Well, if you, if you look at if you, if you got that reading, great. Otherwise, I'm just going to fly through it. Verses 2 and 3, Solomon, he cheered himself with wine and laughter. 
Verses 4 to 6, he worked on great projects, great real estate projects. He built houses and vineyards and gardens and parks and pools. Verse 7, he had slaves. He had lots of servants, you know, just waiting on him hand and foot. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine having a team of servants at your disposal kind of around the clock? Maybe a, a cleaner, a chef, a hairdresser, a masseuse, a beautician. You know, a beauty consultant, a fashion consultant, a driver. Imagine all these people just, just kind of working for your pleasure. Solomon had it. He possessed herds and flocks. Verse 8, he, he amassed great treasures of silver and gold. 1 Kings 10 tells us Solomon was greater in riches than all the other kings of the earth. He was wealthy. Probably, probably his wealth is unparalleled, actually, in all of human history. He had music. And entertainment. You know, we might have iTunes and CDs. He had the actual singers come to him. Dave Hanbury and I recently went to Coldplay. Solomon would have Coldplay come and perform at his place. You know, he had it all. He had women. He had lots of sex. He had 700 wives. He had 300 girlfriends. He had a huge harem. You know, in our day, sure, many people still have harems. But they're not real harems like Solomon had. You know, people today, they build virtual harems in their minds, don't they? In their imagination, sinfully, through lust and pornography. What did Solomon do? He sought satisfaction and meaning through pleasure. Verse 10, he says, I denied myself nothing my eyes desired. I desired myself nothing my eyes desired. He said, I refused my heart no pleasure. Solomon had it all, literally. Everything he desired. In verse 9 he says, I became greater by far than anyone in Jerusalem before me. Question is, how did Solomon find all that? You'd think he'd be completely and utterly satisfied, wouldn't you? But no. Because you see, when Solomon stood back, Verse 11 in our reading, he says, When I surveyed all that my hands had done and what I'd toiled to achieve, he says, everything was meaningless. Nothing was gained under the sun, a chasing after the wind. That's his conclusion. Sure, he'd had some fun. You know, he'd had some fun. But it didn't truly satisfy him it didn't give him meaning or fulfillment you know that reminds me of what i heard in an interview mel gibson say uh, around about the time that he made that film the passion and this was kind of at the height of his career you know he was a rich famous successful movie star you know super rich he had a big family a wife that he'd been married to many years he had seven kids and he said this at that time, he said, let's face it, I have been to the pinnacle of what secular utopia has to offer. He said, it's just this kind of everything. I've got money, fame, this, that, the other. It's all been like here. Here you go. But he said, it didn't matter. There wasn't enough. It wasn't good enough it leaves you empty 
all the world's pleasures. And yet, he still felt empty and unsatisfied. You know, it's no surprise really, Mel Gibson's career and his life has kind of imploded since then, is it? You know, it's such a common story for people who seem to have so much, so much fun and pleasure, and yet remain so unsatisfied. Why? Why is that? You know, why was Solomon so unsatisfied? Why Mel Gibson so unsatisfied? Why was I at age 25, you know, a young lawyer, great social life, about to marry a gorgeous wife, still unsatisfied? Why? Well, you know why? Because ultimately, worldly pleasure, it's fleeting. It doesn't last. And it doesn't fill our hearts, does it? It only leaves us wanting more. You notice that? You know what I'm talking about. You know, you, you have a drink, cheers you for a while, but soon wears off. You get a home, you buy a home maybe, but sooner or later, you know, a bigger and a better home in a nicer location starts kind of grabbing your attention. You love a song, entertainment, but, you know, you play it too much, sooner or later you're bored of it, sick of it. You, you, you get a partner, maybe you get married soon enough romantically or sexually. Your fantasies start to kind of wander. You earn an income. Never enough though, is it? You know, I heard a study, a really interesting study recently, uh, said the average adult thinks that they need eight to $11,000 more per year to be able to live comfortably. This resonates with me. It really does. But what's interesting is a tracking study found that those adults who then achieved that kind of higher income, when they were surveyed at that point, they still claimed, even at that higher income, that they needed another eight to $11,000 per year more to live comfortably. You know what I'm... You kind of relate to this? Why is that? Why is that? Let me ask, what kind of pleasures have you been desiring lately? Think about it. New Year. What have I been desiring? Maybe finish this sentence. You know, I will be satisfied when? Just, just in your own mind, finish that. I will be satisfied when? We're all on a quest. We're all on a quest. You know, our desire is satisfaction, isn't it? Our problem, where are we looking? Where are we looking? How's the fun factor without God? Well, Solomon, you know, who had it all, really had it all, says it all. He says it all. That if you live just for worldly fun and pleasure without God, it's empty. It's unsatisfying. It's just a chasing after the wind. Which brings us then to our second point, which I'm going to spend more time on, because it's more important. How's the fun factor with God? Okay, is Christianity, is Christianity just about denying ourselves fun and pleasure? You know? Just denying ourselves fun and pleasure and waiting for heaven where, yes, there'll be perfect and lasting pleasure, yes, 
But is Christianity just about waiting and denying ourselves until then? Is God a killjoy? You know, is he just like a grumpy old man who wants to deny us having any fun? You know, when I was a little kid, we had this old man living right next door to us named Mr. Meanie. And you know, that wasn't our nickname for him. That was literally his surname. My parents are down the front. You can check with them later. Mr. Meanie, M-E-A-N-Y. Now, as, as one of four boys, uh, you know, man, my brothers and I, we spent hours outdoors, kind of on the lawn and the road, the driveway, just having fun, playing footy and cricket and lots of other stuff. And our driveway, it was an excellent cricket pitch. But there was one catch. It ran right along the side of Mr. Meany's property. So, being the killjoy that he was, while we played cricket, and I kid you not, while we played cricket, Mr. Meany would kind of sit just behind his front screen door and if we hit the ball, even like a metre onto his lawn, he would bolt out his door, he would run, grab the ball and bowl back inside with it. And, and we never, I don't think we got those balls back, did we, Mum and Dad? He must have had a whole stack of them. We lost so many. And the thing is, sometimes we had to stop playing. That was the worst thing, because we were out of balls. Mr. Meany was grumpy. Mr. Meany hated us having fun. And so he tried to deny us the fun factor. Friends, God is not like Mr. Meany. God is not a killjoy. God is not against fun and pleasure. In fact, God is himself a God of pleasure. You know, he is a God of pleasure. Now, that's not to say he doesn't get angry. You know, he's angry at our sin. It's not to say he doesn't get grieved. He does when we turn our backs on him. But unlike Solomon, okay, unlike King Solomon, God, when God steps back and surveys and looks at all of his good work, you know, when he looks at his good plans and all of his good purpose, purposes, they actually bring him great pleasure. You know, he doesn't see it as meaningless. They bring him great pleasure. God is a God of pleasure. And God is actually a giver of pleasure. He wants us to have lives that are full of joy, full of pleasure full of satisfaction now why did god even send jesus you know jesus himself says at one point in john 10 he says i have come that they may have life and have it to the full and have it to the full god wants us to have life he wants us to have abundant pleasurable satisfying life you know he wants us to know Very importantly, get this, he wants us to have that life, but he wants us to know that we can only have that life, that kind of life, in him, in and through him, not without him. Now, the Presbyterian um, Church, their confession of faith, it surmises from Scripture that the chief end of mankind is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. Did you get that? The chief end of mankind is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. To enjoy him forever. And here's the thing. 
You know, there are so many, so many reasons why we need to find our enjoyment, our pleasure, our satisfaction, our fun factor in God and not without God. I can't go into every reason, but here's a couple. Here's just a couple. Firstly, as we've already seen from Solomon's conclusion, selfish pleasures, they're they're, they're short-lived. Ultimately, they're they're passing, very short-lived and empty. Because you see, no matter how ideal... You know, you know, before when you thought, I'll be satisfied when, if you, were, if you were thinking worldly stuff, worldly pleasure, no matter how ideal we may view it, whatever pleasures this world can give us, they're just for a short time. They're just for that short time. Whereas the pleasure that God gives us, it lasts forever. It's eternal. In Psalm 16, we read this. The psalmist says to God, he says, you have made known to me the path of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence with eternal pleasures at your right hand. With eternal pleasures. Okay? They last forever. Secondly, second reason to find our enjoyment, our pleasure in God, not without God, is that selfish pleasures, what they do, they actually deceive us and they enslave us. Paul says in Titus 3, he says this, at one time, he's talking to Christians, at one time you were foolish, disobedient, deceived and enslaved by what? By all kinds of passions and pleasures. That's what pleasures do. Sinful pleasures, that is. See, in following Jesus, I've got to make this clear. In following Jesus, yes, we've clearly got to deny ourselves of sinful pleasures. And Jesus says, he says, if anyone wants to come after me, he's got to take up his cross, deny himself, and follow me. And so part of that self-denial is we've got to deny ourselves sin and the pleasures of the flesh. Yes, we've got to do that. But God is not out to stop us having fun. Not by a long shot. God wants us to have pleasure, just not the kind of pleasure our flesh seeks so often. You know, pleasures that, are, as we've said, are fleeting and which enslave us in sin. Instead, God wants us to find our pleasure in him. Now, John Piper, he's a, he's a, he's a pastor in the United States, well known over there, and he's, he's got this phrase that he uses a lot, and I think it's a very, very powerful phrase and a very good one. He says this, he says, God is most glorified when you are most satisfied in him. God is most glorified when you are most satisfied in him. And, you know, I actually think that's kind of the key to it all, especially with this topic, that it's only when our satisfaction is in God, you know, not in other stuff, but in God, when we are most satisfied in him, that, that then we can truly turn our backs on our cravings after sin, when our satisfaction is in God. And it's only then that we can really truly live that we could kind of live the way he designed us to live and to really enjoy the good gifts he's blessed us with, the way that he would have us. That he is most glorified when you are most satisfied in him. 1 Timothy 6 says, God richly provides us with everything. Why? For our enjoyment. God richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. 1 Timothy 4 says, for God, for everything God created, everything he created is good, 
Nothing's to be rejected if it's received with thanksgiving. So you see, God made us not only with the, the desire for good things, you know, like food and drink and relationships, but also not just to desire them, but to enjoy them, to enjoy. Because the truly, truly good things in life, they are not meant to be guilty pleasures, you know? The good things, they're not meant to be guilty pleasures, they are meant to be godly pleasures, pleasures that we enjoy because God wants us to. He's given us so much, hasn't he? He's given us our senses. Just think about your senses. Think about your sight and your touch and taste, smell. He's given us those things. He's given us so much abundance in creation. So much. He's lavished us with so much. You just think about the things around us. So many colours, so many aromas, so many flavours, so many textures. God has given us all this. Everything around us is for our enjoyment. But to be able to really and truly and properly enjoy them, we've got to receive them rightly. Receive them as a gift from God and not as a substitute for God. You see, that's the trap that a lot of Christians fall into. It's a trap. And I'm just going to go into, I'm going to finish with a couple of traps that Christians fall into. Firstly, the trap of idolatry. The trap of idolatry where, you know, we think we're following Jesus, but we, we kind of pursue pleasure more than we actually pursue God. So, it's, as, as Paul says in 2 Timothy 3, we become lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. And that's a, that's a trap for a lot of Christians. We must be very, very careful not to do that. Not to make pleasures our idols, but to put God first. Secondly, the other extreme. We've got to avoid the other extreme as well, and that is religious abstainism. I don't know if that's a word. If you're an English teacher, forgive me, but abstainism, where we just remove ourselves from fun. We just kind of deny ourselves so much fun and pleasure from our lives. We, 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 we abstain, we withdraw, and as Christians, we just take ourselves way, way too seriously. You know, we think that, hey, I'm more spiritual than others because I've got a bigger to-do list of fun things that I won't do. It's not a to-do list, then. It's a, it's a not-to list of fun things that I won't do that other people. So I'm, hey, I'm more holier and more spiritual. Rubbish. You know what? That kind of thinking, I think, in Christians can hurt you because what it can do is it can make you so dull, so bored... In life, the temptation, you know, temptation for sinful pleasures can then become even more alluring. So it can hurt you and then it can also hurt others. And it can hurt others because it's the kind of thing, that's the kind of attitude, I think, in Christians that can turn other people off Christianity. You know, it can be why some people never start coming to church. It can be why other people stop coming to church. Because of that, kind of attitude in Christians. You know, last week, Lee and I, we hosted a party for some friends that we used to go to school with, high school friends, friends that they're not Christians, but they're friends that we used to party really hard with. But we feel that it's very important for us to still keep in contact and to see non-Christian people and friends and for them to see that as Christians, we still really enjoy life. You know, we still really have fun. You know, when we hang out, it's not the, exactly the kind of fun we used to have with them but they still see us enjoying life, 
Because as Christians, you know, we can live life to the max, to the full. And, you know, I made a big mistake as a young Christian, which I deeply regret. Uh, I was a knob, big, big knob, man. I was prudish. I became, I, be, I, I, be, I got into church life and started to learn the Bible a lot. And, and I started to really become a bit of a prude. And I started to really withdraw from my non-Christian friends. You know, I lost some non-Christian friends, stupidly. And I withdrew. And I would have definitely come off as judging them, as being judgmental for, of them, for doing the very things that I used to do with them. Now, how on earth is that going to attract them to Jesus? It grieves me that I did that. Christianity is not about being stern, solemn, serious, boring. One of my best mates, one of the best Christian pastors I've ever known, when I went off to Moore College, he was... He was kind of worried that I'd go off and become overly too serious and conservative. So one day, one night I was with him hanging out and he drew up these, on this piece of paper, he drew up these fun coupons, a whole bunch of coupons and he named them fun coupons. And he basically said to me, look, you know, you're going off to college, if at any time you need to redeem any of these coupons and have a bit of fun, you can call me. Now, fortunately, I didn't need to redeem them because I didn't, become overly serious and conservative, probably a little bit too serious and conservative, not overly, but how good an idea is that? Fun coupons, you know? Great idea. Maybe some of us need to get some fun coupons. You see your Christian friend become a little bit too prudish and conservative and serious and boring, give them some fun coupons. Maybe some of us need them. You see, friends, God doesn't expect us to make a choice between him or fun. He doesn't. Being a Christian definitely does not mean leaving the fun factor behind. Not at all. If anything, you know, this life to the full that he offers us, lived rightly, is the greatest fun, the greatest pleasure. And so I'm just going to finish with this. If you're not a Christian, you're here this morning, you don't yet follow Jesus, I just want to say Jesus offers you so much more than you have now. He offers you way more than you have now. He offers you more pleasure, more enjoyment, more satisfaction in a life lived for him and for his glory than in a life lived for yourself and for your desires. And so he offers you life to the full. Why would you continue ripping yourself off by chasing after worldly stuff that doesn't last and doesn't satisfy? Why? When you can come to Jesus, the Jesus, the one who will truly, fully and lastingly satisfy you. If you're already a Christian, I want to say this to you. Remember that God will never make you choose. He won't make you choose between obeying him and enjoying true and lasting pleasure. It's not a choice you have to make because your best life, your most satisfying life is always lived when you are most satisfied in God. Why don't we all just kind of close our eyes for a moment, bow our heads.
And let's think of some of the most fun and enjoyable things in our lives. Things that come from God's hands. And let's thank him for them. And I'll lead us in prayer in just a minute. Father God, we do come to you as those who've sought pleasures in many places. Father, help us to stop our pursuit of pleasure without you and help us instead to acknowledge you, trust you, find our satisfaction in you, receive and enjoy with thanks your many blessings and so live for your glory and enjoy you forever. Father, we thank you for all your good gifts, big and small. May we enjoy them. May we always be ready to share them. In Jesus' good name we pray. Amen.